Hi, everyone. Welcome to Domain Sherpa. Today is an episode of Down the Rabbit Hole with Yoni, Drew, and me. On this show, we discuss El Salvador becoming the first country to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender. We also break down some of the recent FUD in the crypto space and talk about FTX, Solana versus Cardano, and even a little bit about decentralized domains. All this is coming up right now on Down the Rabbit Hole here on Domain Sherpa, where all roads lead to domains. So let's go. It don't matter what you say, there ain't no way that you messing with my team today. It don't matter what you do, I will. What's up, Sherpa Network? Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Jonathan Tenenbaum, aka JT, aka J On, and I am the host and producer of Domain Sherpa, where all roads lead to domains. Today's show is down the rabbit hole, where, as we say on Domain Sherpa, all roads lead to domains. And in the reverse, our work in domains has us venturing all the time into different areas and topics, some familiar to us, crypto, NFTs, digital assets, but plenty of others that aren't so familiar, hence the jump down the rabbit hole. So, and as I always say, if nothing else, it just gives us a chance to talk about some things that we want to talk about. And uh, hopefully the audience and y'all find it interesting. And uh, as always, just hit us up with a comment if you want us to dive into something, uh, you know, more thoroughly, or if you have something you want us to kind of talk about, or you have some interesting feedback on something we've been talking about, just get at us and it's all good. So with that, let me go ahead and introduce my co-hosts as always over here to my right. I got my man, the one and only Andrew Rosner, a.k.a. the Dirk Diggler domain names <laughs> and, uh, you know, the one and only, you know what I'm saying? And uh, so y'all know, Drew, um, I mean, at this point, if I got to introduce you, man, I'm just going to say, look, go back into the library and watch some episodes, get familiar. Number one domain broker in the world, you know, man of leisure and, uh, you know, all that good stuff. That's that. That's what's up. And down below. We've got my man, Yoni Belusov, a.k.a. Young Money, a.k.a. Blue Steel. Throw the picture up on him. Boom. You know. Oh, by the way, for those of you who are only listening and not watching <laughs> the videos, just so you know, we've upped our production game. So, like, as we're going through and we introduce everybody with their a.k.a.s, we're throwing the pictures up that, you know, like uh, over Yoni, we throw that, uh, you know, uh, Ben Stiller, Zoolander, Blue Steel, and all that good stuff. And then when we're doing the domain game on Domain Sherpa Review, we're, uh, we're keeping score on a scoreboard, and we do some other cool stuff. The commercials are pretty neat. We got some new, new ads and visuals and all that kind of stuff. So if you have a chance to watch, watch the video. Uh, you also get to see my dope-ass background. You know what I mean? Yoni's also got a little art himself. He's got that mickey mouse on crack over there above the uh, couch and uh so make sure you don't miss that you know we're gonna that's gonna be an nft um anyway so with that man like i said you know this is just an opportunity for us to get on here and talk about things that we're otherwise talking about that uh you know we talk about with our other peoples and uh you know people's uh you know feedback's been really really positive so just keep it coming let us know what's good and uh you know appreciate you taking the time to join us so with that co-host drew yoni thank you thank you for being here guys what's happening a little bit of, you know, a little pain, little, <laughs> little, yeah, yeah, a little tea little pain. Summer, little summer weather coming out, you know, a <laughs> little, uh, all Speaking sorts of, of stuff. By the way, you know, speaking of pain, I mean, I know we're talking about just some of what's happening in the crypto market. We're going to get into that. Uh, but, you know, we were talking about music earlier and, uh, you know, Drew put me on to, you know, I'm not a, a big blues, like I enjoy blues, but I'm not like a blues fan. 
Swan Blues and all that other good stuff. But listen, you can't even say you're a music fan if you don't understand how to enjoy some blues. No, no, no. And I like it. It's just so he put me on to Taj Mahal. Yoni, are you familiar with Taj Mahal, the blues dude? Yeah, no. First of all, it is dope. Like he, it, yo, you, you need know. to twerk your robot, man. If he's not putting you on 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 <laughs> Taj Mahal, does the bot not enjoy music? Yeah, does, does well, Rusty, yeah, the bot is not this sophisticated, I guess. <laughs> it needs to leave the auction scene a little bit, I think. So we were. Ruski, yeah, you need to get out once in a while. Yeah, it's Ruski, true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ruski's gonna become like Skynet, though. You're gonna get him out of the house, like you're gonna put him into a, like an actual robot, like a Boston Dynamic robot. He's gonna become self-aware. <laughs> He's gonna be like, yeah, it's, gonna get, it's gonna get weird uh, once he gets a buddy. <laughs> exactly. It's gonna get weird. <laughs> anyway, Taj Mahal is super, super dope. You know, because we were uh, we went down. It was our own little rabbit hole this morning, just talking about music and. Uh, you know, and, and honestly, I'd never heard heard him before. And, uh, you know, all those listening to some of the music, some of the tunes are definitely familiar. I think I've heard some of the stuff sampled in some hip hop tracks and things like that. But uh, what was the joint, the trunk joint that is like like the, the one that you initially uh, put me on to? And then leaving, that tr- le- leaving trunk alone, leaving trunk alone. Yeah. Yeah. And it if is you, like if you like- need a place to start, you go to Taj Mahal. You start with Giant Step is the best album, in my opinion. And you can work your way up from there. But leaving trunk alone is like, that's one of my, you know, if I had to create like a life, you know, life playlist, that would be on the list. Yeah. If I had like, you know, if I had to pick like 20 songs and, you know, represent my life, leaving trunk alone, Taj Mahal, that's, that's on that list. All right. Yeah. Well, super, super dope. So just wanted to throw that out there because again, I was like, you know, I felt almost like embarrassed that I didn't, that I'd never heard dude before. And uh, as so you should be, as you should be, <laughs> you're, supposed to die, you're supposed to be like, nah, it's cool, man. It's a little obscure. No, that ain't cool. You got ain't cool at all. It's, a, it's one of the it is, it is super dope, though. So I just want to put it out there in the universe since, like, you know, you put me onto it. I want to, anybody who's not aware needs to, needs to go check it out. Um, so, but that's all good. All right. So now, as we pivot away from, from music and pop culture, and, uh, you know, the, um, so yeah, crypto, man. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's been two weeks, right? So that's like, you know, it's like dog years out here. So two weeks is like two years with all this. I think craziness. it's dodge years. <laughs> Do- dodge, yeah, doge years. Doge years. <laughs> it's doge years. And uh, so we had the Bitcoin conference that went down in Miami, uh, which we didn't attend. I should have drove down there, man. But uh, it like sold out like super fast. And, you know, mm-hmm. and it looks like it was a, it was a scene. Uh, there was definitely a lot of like, you know, like a lot of cool, wild stuff happening. And, uh, you know, so first of all, you think that, I mean, you know, is there a bit of a hangover post-conference, you know, where it was like, cause earlier this week, well, you know, so by the time this show is going to air probably tomorrow or by, and by the weekend. So Monday we had a, you know, we had a dip, you know, we saw like Bitcoin trading really low volume looked like it was going to, you know, it was either going to be going up or it was going to be going down and it looks like it picked down. And then, uh, you know, almost everything kind of bottomed out, not bottomed out, but everything dropped a, a decent amount. And uh, so what do you guys, uh, you know, so what do you think? Any any ideas of what led to that? Did it have anything to do with like just what was going on in the space with the big, big dogs? Or was it just, you know, is it just kind of what it is correcting? What do you guys think is going on with that? Um, well, I don't really look too much, um, I guess, too much into this the short-term trends because mm-hmm. to me it's just kind of i guess noise no, it's just on the long term that's when it evens out and then you can kind of see a trajectory yeah but at the same time i mean there's just 
you know, there's always this FUD that surrounds Bitcoin, you know, the fear, uncertainty, doubt. And there's kind of like the constant recycle of stories of, oh, well, Bitcoin sounds like it got hacked and it wasn't. Sounds like, uh, you know, like, again, I guess continuation of that FUD of, uh, that has to do with uh, energy usage. And then, you know, just, I mean, government bans and yeah government bans the china one also with the mining bans yeah at the end of the day it sounds like like all of that it's like yes and the end result is that now bitcoin is an official currency in el salvador so (laughs) yeah let's talk about it all right yeah that's a great segue man so but but, but i just want to point out that effectively like it seems like everything that's bad i mean if you look in these cycles it's just a repetitive peace i mean everything that's bad happens to be not really relevant and then you know something good pops up and it just carries it to the next level yep yeah and that's the thing the el salvador thing i think is is pretty incredible right and you know that's one of the things for me that i you know i always felt like just you know big macro kind of level like thought around bitcoin and just you know adoption and use is that you know i always felt like anywhere that you've got these countries i mean in the u.s right we're printing money like it's going out of style and you can even, you know, argue that that, you know, that's creating inflation. You know, we're going to see maybe hyperinflation and, you know, whole stagflation, whatever, a whole lot of inflation up in this bitch. You know what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. you know, and and we're the most, you know, stable country in the world. Right. To some degree. Right. You know, so looked at all that kind of shit, shining house on the hill. But, you know, so and we're kind of fucked up. Right. So you've got countries that are really fucked up. That you know their their currency is a mess, right? They're well, their and, and also as, as far as well, Salvador's U.S. dollar, so they, they yeah, yeah. So they in have a way, a that price. potentially puts them in even in an even worse position because then more, the U.S. More devalues it, and then hence their own currency gets devalued because they use the U.S. dollar, but they don't even get to gain the benefit of devaluing it themselves. So it's yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. this created extra revenue for them that they or extra cash out of nowhere that they can use for, uh, you know, instead of taxes or to fund whatever projects, they effectively get the disadvantage of being devalued without the advantage of being the one devaluing it. So <laughs> yeah, 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 they don't get the policy like benefit, them, right? It's, it's an ex. First of all, I mean, just as well, far it's as it's no different, it's no different than being a shareholder in a company and the company decides to issue new shares. And you as a shareholder get diluted. The company benefits because it's actually getting cash in for the share, the new share issuance. But you as a shareholder, you don't benefit from new shares. Say, like, oh, wow, I've got new friends. They're all shareholders now. No, what you've got is a bunch of new shares that dilute the value of your shares. <laughs> but no new the friends. thing, there's, I, I have a nuanced and developing opinion about this whole thing, though. So, my, including myself, I think that the consensus narrative worldwide from a macro perspective is we are headed towards an inflationary environment. And I've generally uh, was full on 100% agreed with that narrative. I no longer agree with that narrative. And I actually think that we will not see any inflation whatsoever. I think that that is a crock. And that actually the inflation narrative was actually started by the Fed in order to, um, you know, take advantage. Well, basically, you have these temporary inflationary constraints, which 
like, you know, supply chain uh, bottlenecks and, um, you know, factory manufacturing shutting down, chip, you know, insufficient chips to manufacture cars, insufficient capacity to process lumber, you know, all sorts of things that are temporary bottlenecks that are causing supply constraints that are causing short-term serious inflationary uh, uh, movements in, 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 in the cost of commodities in particular, but also, you know, manufactured goods uh, like cars and um, or houses. And, uh, uh, but I don't really see where the demand side will come from to sustain that because ultimately those supply constraints will fall off. Supply will uh, uh, you know, revert back to normal. And I think that if anything, demand is less than it was pre-COVID in the real economy and uh, not greater. And yeah. in addition to that, I think that COVID has released a, a, a round of innovation that will, for the next decade or more, uh, uh, create incredible new capacity, new efficiencies, new productivity, and that technological innovation will outstrip the monetary growth, the monetary base growth. And so I think in the United States, very specifically, and probably Europe, but very specifically in the United States, we will see zero inflation. And I think that if anything, we actually have a disinflationary environment. And I think that will be sustained. I don't, I don't see that changing. Uh, from because of demographics, because of innovation, because of a variety of different things. And so I think that this narrative is just like, okay, we're going to take advantage of these short-term constraints that are causing inflation that people are able to perceive. Perceived inflation is inflation. And so if people perceive inflation enough, they're willing to accept interest rate hikes that would otherwise be absolutely devastating and unacceptable to the markets. But if people, the one thing people hate the most is inflation because it literally just destroys people. I mean, it, it, unless you're an asset holder, you, you get wiped out in an inflation, inflationary environment. Never mind, you know, hyperinflation. But so I think that, you know, central banks look at the world and they say, all right, we have two options. Either we are able to put the brakes on and start the process of raising interest rates to a healthy, no, not normal, nominative level, or we go down, we continue down the path that has no end where we continue to have to maintain a zero interest rate environment. Potentially, we even see negative interest rates. And, you know, we see unprecedented, even in today's world, uh, amounts of continued stimulus leading up to some sort of UBI or whatever. I believe that was the world we were going towards. I no longer believe that is the world we're going towards. It really requires that the Fed and, and, and Congress consist of a series of complete sociopaths for us to actually pursue that path. And so I'm not ruling it out. I was going to say, that's a pretty big leap, man. Path. That's a big assumption, you know, saying, nah, they're good. They're all good. Well, they're not <laughs> all good. That's for damn sure. But I, I, I just don't think that we would have, a you know, a conceded decision. This is the path we're going to take. Yeah. And so I think that actually this inflation narrative is false. I don't think we're going to see inflation. I think that we may even see the dollar actually appreciate, uh, you know, Consensus right now is we're going to have significant inflation, dollars going down. You know, these, these are the main consensus things. Interest rates are not going up. These are like the three most important points. And I think that they are now consensus. 
And that tells me that it's the exact opposite that's going to happen. Okay. Well, yeah. So and I think, I think as that relates to what we were talking about with El Salvador, so El Salvador gets the flip side of that. They will get tremendous inflation from the monetary printing because they don't have the release valve or the innovation or any of these other things that we've discussed that would you know, prevent it. Um, so I think this is, you know, potentially, I don't, I don't think it's going to play out the way maybe people think, but I think it is potentially um, enormous, not necessarily for El Salvador, although depending on how they play it, it, it could be very helpful for them. Um, but it does have enormous uh, consequences from a legal standpoint worldwide um, because of the way that governments define money, which, you know, legal tender accepted or created by a foreign sovereign government, uh, domestic or foreign. So once it is considered money, which it is, as of today, it is officially legal tender. Okay. So um, somebody is going to file a lawsuit in the United States against the U.S. government or the IRS, and they're going to say, sorry, you can't tax money. And they're going to say, well, it's not money, it's property. And they're going to say, well, here's the fucking code. And the code says that money is legal tender authorized by a foreign or domestic government. More money, more that's, money. That's now the case. And so <laughs> it's very, 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 very interesting. I don't think people underestimate, are, are, are highly underestimating how big of a change that is if Bitcoin was considered money versus property under this tax regime. Suddenly, I mean, it, it literally is just a game changer. It, it, it's the, massive, absolutely, yeah, unequivocally yeah. massive. So what if, uh, so yeah, so do you think because El Salvador, right, previously, you know, ut utilizing the U.S. dollar now says, now nah, we're, we're now BTC, right? We went from USD to BTC. Well, no, no, hold on, no, no, that's not what happened. They continue to be on the U.S. dollar. U.S. dollar continues to be accepted for all goods and services and the uh, 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 cancellation of any debt, okay? That will continue to be the national currency. However, in addition to that, they will now, uh, uh, I think they just will have a second national currency. Exactly. It's just in the same way that let's say Canada has uh, two national languages with mm -hmm. French and English. Okay. So Panama is the best example because Panama has Panama's on the US dollar, right? Since uh, 1914, when the United States took over from France to develop the Panama Canal, they built the Panama Canal. And part of that deal was that the Panama Canal must be um, uh, uh, operate on the US dollar system. OK, so all and it was owned by the United States until 1999. Right. So all transit through the Panama Canal since 1914, it was on the U.S. dollar. And that used to represent the majority of the economy of Panama. Today, I think it's something like seven percent or nine percent, although that might have significantly increased with COVID. And um, in the law, when the, when the United States handed over the Panama Canal in 1999 to Panama, back to Panama, Jimmy Carter, um, Part of that deal in the in 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 the in the uh, uh, agreement is that it, it, in perpetuity they must operate on the U.S. dollar, and so, um, but it does allow for them to create coinage. Uh, they can actually create their own coinage, and so they have the bolivar in addition to the U.S. dollar. The official currency, the currency of the country, is the U.S. dollar. Everything is done in U.S. dollars, but. You have Bolivar's coinage, not paper notes, but but only coinage, um, which uh, are freely exchanged for dollars 
within Panama. And so it's basically the same thing. You'll have the local currencies continues to be the dollar, but you can also operate on BTC, you know, interoperable with the US dollar. All right. Well, so have you seen anything that talks about the motivation for doing like, so why they do it? Because they felt they needed independence from the dollar because Bitcoin has become so popular and the adoption now, and you, you know, you've got big banks and, you know, individuals and, you know, consumers and everything else. So what is the motivation to say, Hey, we want the second, we want second currency. We want it to be Bitcoin. Number one is innovation. It's just draw, bring bring companies to El Salvador who will create jobs, create GDP growth, and um, you know create innovation. I mean that's absolutely the primary driver. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it's it's basically a hail mary. I mean you know they're well actually it's actually a no brainer because he has nothing to lose. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so. Well, and, and it is a game changer. And, you know, so now that's like, you know, brave new world, right? And like you said, I mean, literally as of today, right, which will be two days prior by the time the show airs. But the, uh, yeah. And then, so what do you think happens because of it, though? I mean, is it, does that by itself, I mean, we haven't seen an enormous well, for, spike. First in and foremost, his plane goes down with unexplained engine failure. That's, <laughs> oh, that's, <shit>. yeah. <laughs> that's uh, probably the first thing that's going to happen. Um, <laughs> Hey, he but already made the announcement, that, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, the, the horse is out of the barn. Yeah, but, don't uh, underestimate the United States and their ability to launch a coup. Um, I, you know, let's let's see. Let's see. I, I, I think it's I think um, it's just pure speculation to, to even wonder what would happen next, because, like I said, I think the biggest implication is that now that it is now considered sovereign money, um, that has massive legal implications in every jurisdiction around the world. So I don't, you know, it's going to be interesting. We're going to see lawsuits. We're going to see, you know, uh, you know, discussions and, 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 and political moves and regulatory moves. And I don't know. I don't know how it's going to play out. Yeah. Well, I I, I think the, the more important part is really that this just set some sort of precedent, right? I mean, it's no accident that right after El Salvador did this move, you know, you have Paraguay tweeting about potentially doing it, you know, Brazil, Mexico, like a bunch of other countries in Latin Panama. America. E- even Panama. Yeah, Panama. Yeah, exactly. So in other words, right. it's I, I, would, I would put the, the chances of Panama doing it. I would put them at zero. Just well, because it doesn't matter. At least Uncle there is, there, there is obviously some sort of pent up demand. Like, in other words, it's kind of yes. like when, the you know, when that guy who bought like two pizzas for 10,000 bitcoins, it's not like that was a significant delivery of value, but that's not the point. The point is that it's effectively a proof of concept that exactly. once this has happened, now other people effectively to them, to, for, for them to do that, it's a lot lower of a risk. So effectively it's almost like the pendulum has swung that way for, to allow for governments to do that. And, you know, later on you might have like effectively governments start hoarding Bitcoin, you know, just like create a central bank, have a bunch of Bitcoin. And what's interesting is that if we assume that this plays out, let's say Bitcoin's growth in value in uh, US dollar terms plays out over the next decade, the same way that it played out over the past decade, some of these countries, like somebody like El Salvador can come up to be one of the richest countries in the world. It's kind of similar to actually how UAE came about, right? Effectively, it was just a barren desert. 
and there was nothing there. But due to oil, they managed to, they ended up having a ton of investment capital that then they completely transformed themselves. And now is maybe, you know, the most advanced slash, you know, top, definitely top three most advanced economies in uh, the mil- Middle East. So yeah. some of these kind. that's why somebody like El Salvador, I mean, I can literally see it playing out like that in a decade from now. And it doesn't really take much of a risk for them to really do it. I mean, I don't think it's really, the downsides to me seem small mm-hmm. because they can even downplay to the extent that this is actually practical in case they get some sort of pushback from the US. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, so I think it's super interesting. Now, so some of these other countries that decide to do something similar, do they decide, do they go with Bitcoin? Does somebody try to, you know, does somebody pick Dogecoin? Nah. No, nobody's going with Dogecoin. I mean, maybe the Mars colony. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah. by the way, El Salvador announced today that they are putting $150 million of Bitcoin on their balance sheet on okay. the, tra- on the, on the, you know, the, the sovereign Makes sense. Yeah, the government needs yeah, to yeah. have some operating capital at minimum. 100%, 100%. And people are going to be able to pay taxes now in Bitcoin and they're going to collect sales tax and all this stuff. And it'll be very interesting to see. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. People don't remember, people don't understand that Venezuela was like the fourth richest country in the world. (laughs) Like as of 1975, like 1975, it was like the fourth richest country in the world today. It's like in the top 10 poorest. Right. Well, I mean, and, same and, same story played out with Cuba, right? It used to yeah, be a place to go for Americans. You know, yep. it was effectively more happening than Miami, like Havana was. So it's kind and, of like... And I have <laughs> one of the most sophisticated healthcare systems in the world, maybe even number one. Yeah. And now, you know, like effectively it just shows you, I guess, the compounding effects of bad policy. Yeah, but it, it goes both ways. And so, yeah. um, you know, good policy very quickly changes things right particularly in a world chaos that we have today um it, it's very the game theory stuff of this is just mind-bending right it's yeah like, and also i mean you know like effectively it's he's also following up with some sort of, i don't know if you guys know guys know this that he had i think if you have three bitcoins and you're willing to invest it in the country you get automatic residency status yeah or inst- automatic I don't remember, but anyways, now, but the point is it, that automatic residency with a path to citizenship, but yeah, it's yeah. instant. Yeah, so, instant. so that's interesting because you have, white especially because you have this crowd of people around the world. I think people are don't even understand this that are pure, either pure nomads or almost pure nomads, and they have they're literally ninety nine percent of their wealth is cryptocurrency because they don't care yeah. about anything else. But yeah. at the same time, you know, since this is. I don't want to go like too philosophical, but let's say the world we're living in is the layer one of life. So in other words, you have to have citizenship or residency somewhere. It's not like online that, you know, you don't have to join a website if you don't want to. But so if you have to have it somewhere, you might as well join in the place that's the most friendly to you. And this is also, by the way, a general trend that I think is happening right now. Kind of like the bigger economies are squeezing their people and the smaller ones are stealing those people away from them. Yes. So yeah. it's going to be very interesting because, again, this is a very specific niche of people that is extremely mobile, extremely wealthy. And the main thing they care about is freedom and kind of, I guess, their own sovereignty. And you have yes. a country that's now playing along 
And, you know, even though it's typically one of the poorest countries in the world, the fact that they're playing along and effectively it's, there is no requirement, you don't actually have to be there 24-7, it becomes a very interesting kind of, you know, I guess, game that you can play. You can become a resident of El Salvador with buffer citizenship, like Andrew said, and, you know, and who knows how it will play out later. You know, like in other words, it's just very, very interesting new choice that comes up for people that are kind of like as digital nomads. Sure. Well, a couple yeah. of things. So, and I think you see some of this, like even the willingness of a lot of the crypto folks to sort of make this migration from the West Coast uh, to, you know, Miami, right? And yeah, yeah. I think now that, you know, a lot of them are getting comfortable with the heat and the humidity in Miami, like, fuck it, just go further south now. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's almost like it's just it's- to be to be <laughs> fair. Like I lived in Latin America 10 years. El Salvador is a shithole, like yeah. <laughs> natural, incredible beauty. But like the most dangerous gangs in Latin America, like absolute wild west, like, you know, oh, yo, check out how cheap this beach house is front row on the ocean. Yeah, double that because you need a security detail. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, and that's but, 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 but keep in mind that you know it doesn't really matter because you pay zero tax. Yeah, in yeah, El Salvador. yeah. Okay, here, here I, you know, none of this was on my radar until this happened. And, and as I'm you know, reading through this stuff, and I think he, 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 the president even put it in one of his tweets, but I didn't realize El Salvador has no property tax. That yeah. is to me like that's like almost. One of the most intriguing parts of this whole equation is like, yeah. wait a minute, not only is El Salvador the first country to do this, but the fact that El Salvador has no property tax is like an entire other level of this game theory that could play out that is that's quite interesting because that has implications. Uh, also, like, you know, it's almost like a whole other subject, whole other show. But like the fact that there's no property tax creates almost absolute the ability to create absolute sovereignty. And so it's pretty interesting. If you can make an investment there, get to get residency, the leads to citizenship, own a piece of land where you have actual real, you know, sort of first level layer title to that land. Um, that's pretty, pretty important. That, that's that those are big macro um, factors. Yeah. And, you know, and, and talking about like the condition and the safety and everything, too, I mean, you know, enough money ends up in there. Right. And, you know, the folks that we're talking about that, you know, make this kind of move and, and you know, and I think it's and more money comes into the country. Right. Then those yeah. types of changes and improvements like you could have these enclaves of like, you know, I'm sure there's, you know, some of that already. Right. And yeah, security detail. But, you know, if money pumps in and value pumps into the economy. And also, by the way, keep in mind that since El Salvador is actually a very tiny country, it doesn't take much. So it's not like a country the size of the U.S. saying, oh, we're going to provide these benefits, so come over. But even if, you know, if you have like 10 million people come over, it's, it's just going to get swallowed up by just mm-hmm. due to the sheer mass of the people that are already in. El Salvador is very small. You know, if you have a couple million people coming over due to this, yeah. You know, at least, I mean, not necessarily physically, but at least virtually in the point in, from the sense that you just become resident while being somewhere else, you know, that could be a huge game changer. That could swallow up literally their whole crime problem. And especially like, you know, think about it. Like, you, let's say you have a couple million people coming. They're all there, Bitcoin heavy. And then Bitcoin also goes up tenfold from here. This could become... <laughs> it could become the quickest story of poorest country to richest country in the world that I think anybody has ever seen. Like, literally in a decade from now, it could become 
top five richest countries and nobody's even noticing that this could happen right now. Yeah, well, you know, it's like that meme that shows that really futuristic, clean city and they're like, this could be where we live now if, you know, and it's usually the way the meme works is if it's some like benign thing, you know what I mean? Where if it's like, oh, if like, you know, if we just stop doing this or if we just move here, this is where, this is what it would look like, right? And uh, in fact, Billy, throw, throw the photo up, you know what I mean? So for the video, for the folks watching the video, you'll see what I'm talking about. But it is like that kind of thing where all of a sudden it becomes like Wakanda, you know, when you fly into the, uh, you know, the fucking dome and it's all like, bam, and it's like the most futuristic community in the world. Right. You know what I'm saying? All of a sudden it's like, you know, they got vibranium and Bitcoin is vibranium in this metaphor. Right. And it's like it literally could transform, you know, this very poor country into, you know, kind of an oasis. Right. I mean, and, and I think that. You know, and sure, it's not going to happen like that, but it could happen over time. And like you said, quicker than people realize, like you throw a whole, all well, of a sudden talking millions you know, and tens of millions I, I don't of know about millions of dollars. Nah, I, I don't know about tens of millions of people or millions of people or even hundreds. Of, I don't even think you're going to have, I, if you have thousands of people, I'll be surprised. But yeah, at least in the next couple of years. But the, the real shit is like, you already have, CZ from Binance and Justin Tron are already saying like, oh, we're setting up shop. Like, oh, we're in. We want we want citizenship. We want residency. We're going to set up offices. Let's go. Right. And it's like, all right, you take two billionaires, they call it call it five. Right. You get five billionaires. And there's a lot of billionaires in the, in, in, in the crypto space. You get five billionaires and say, oh, I'm coming to set up an office and move my residency to El Salvador. Like they can move the entire GDP of the country by 25%. That's what I'm saying. Like, it doesn't take a lot. You don't need it, millions of people. It, you just need, to, you know, no, and the people that you're talking about that are making this move are going to be people that have real wealth, like real, real wealth. So, yeah, you know, in the same way that sort of some of the early people thought they could turn Puerto Rico into like, you know, the first crypto country, basically mm-hmm. like, it's like, I don't know, you know, I guess they sort of naively forgot that the U S controlled it or owned it. <laughs> right. But, um, but, I think it's super actually possible. Like, I don't want to get too far out left field because there's a long way between here and there. Like there's a bunch of other sort of contrarian ideas that I have about how this could play out, which aren't good. Uh, One of them being that basically El Salvador becomes a honeypot for, you know, U S to really make a fucking serious uh, attack on Bitcoin. But, but that will only happen if El Salvador remains the only one to do that or with yes. even interest to do that. Like the moment that you have all not, these other not, that's leaders. Not, that's actually not necessarily true. If, if all of the country, let's say you get three countries that do it in the next 12, 18, 24 months, all of the ones that are even like voicing um, uh, support for this uh, are in Central America, uh, except Paraguay, which is South America. And Every single one of these countries is basically they're completely subsidized by the United States and they are um, really under like basically between the World Bank, the the uh, International Development Bank and the United States. There's basically complete control of these countries. And so yes, but, I but, do. But, I, but it's under the current setup. So in other words, what can yes. happen? Is that let's say they do all this work, all this investment comes in. They also store a lot of their own country's wealth in the form of Bitcoin. Suddenly, Bitcoin. Let's say it goes does a 10x. Okay. Suddenly, they're like, hey, you know, you know, US is saying, oh, you know what? We'll cut you off if you 
if you don't shut it down. You know, like in other words, it's almost like the fact that everything moves so fast, it's almost like no matter what they do, no matter what happens, it's a win-win because let's say if nothing yeah. happens with Bitcoin, they can just call the whole thing off. If everything goes 10x, suddenly they say, hey, you know what? We actually don't, don't even need the U.S.'s help. The U.S.'s help wouldn't be as much of a help that Bitcoin effectively did by help, them helping themselves. So that's why it's kind of like just due to the sheer, like effectively, it's almost like you get free options on all these yeah. scenarios. And by the time they play out, it's going to be way faster than something like the U.S., some U.S. intervention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what about if you, so let's say all these other countries start to adopt it, right? And the U.S. says, you know what, fuck it. Like, we'll just adopt it as a secondary currency as well. Um, I mean, is that like, you know. No, yeah, I don't think that's in the cards anytime soon. But, <laughs> well, you know, I guess the, you know, and I'm with you, right? Because then that would be just complete abandonment of the dollar and everything would be like, you know, not no, complete I, abandonment, I, I mean, you know what I'm saying? But I, mean, I, don't, but, I don't think that option is on the table. But maybe they get more friendly, but maybe the U.S. gets more friendly about how they decide to tax it. They say, look, like, you know, so to keep, you know, to keep people from completely taking off. Now, I know um, what was the thing that like Trump like I, I, and I didn't see it. I heard about it. I guess he did. He he did some where he like was it a video or like whatever where he was talking about how he doesn't like Bitcoin. Hey, no, he, he, he was on, he was on a, he was on a news program. You know, uh, you know, we brought one of the talking head on Fox News, brought him on. Um, you know, and they were talking about Bitcoin and he was shitting on Bitcoin. He said, but, it, you know, it, it's interesting because the way that the, the media, of course, interprets his comments was, you know, Trump's attacking Bitcoin. Trump thinks Bitcoin's a scam. Trump thinks Bitcoin should be regulated into oblivion. And actually what I heard is Trump thinks that Bitcoin is actually a legitimate uh, uh, currency dollar, yeah. and competitor to the United States dollar. Yeah. What I heard was, Trump doesn't understand Bitcoin and says, yeah, like literally his quoted words were, um, I just, he said, I just feel like Bitcoin is a scam. That's what he said. I just feel like Bitcoin is a scam. To me, what that says is I don't understand Bitcoin. M number go up technology feels like a Ponzi scheme. I am too stupid to actually dig into how this all works. I don't even use a laptop. And so uh, <laughs> that's why it's like always, you know, when <laughs> yeah, these people voice their opinions. I mean, I would never go to my grandmother and ask her yeah. to explain the FTP for me. Like, yeah. I mean, who yeah. cares what, what yeah. people like, actually think if, if they're not, not even are they not in this, in that industry? It's not like he's even in tech to be able to voice his opinion. He's also fucking old. Like, I don't know if you guys yeah. ever dealt with old people in tech. They're not the ones who are explaining stuff to you. You need to explain stuff no. to them. So yes, how would that even make any sense or, I guess, yeah. be relevant what he even thinks about that? You know, you can also yeah. ask him about all other tech, you know, like, oh, what about, like, Neuralink or whatever else? I mean, yeah, yeah, what's no, the difference? Just yeah. say, oh, it's a scam. As anybody who's ever had to hook up a printer for an in-law, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, you yeah. know, like you get it. Absolutely. I'm with it. And he's not really known to be the most intellectually curious dude to even, like you said, he's not, I don't even think he uses email. He missed, he missed the last 25 years of technological innovation. I mean, the guy literally <laughs> never adopted the computer. Like, so. <laughs> oh yeah. That's funny shit. But all right. So with that, let's talk. So, uh, you know, another thing that happened this week, uh, interesting, I think around crypto, you know, is this uh, the the gas company, uh, you know, the the 
that paid the ransomware and then they were able to pull the ransomware back or I'm sorry, they used ransomware. They got the ransom. Then the, it looks like the, you know, the FBI or whoever was able to get the ransom back. Right. Mm -hmm. So my understanding is that took place because these folks like, you know, left their, uh, the key, uh, you know, on the <laughs> server, right. So yeah, it sounds like effectively they're just really bad hackers. That hackers. Are in the crypto yeah. Field. Because oh, yeah. it's just like, again, effectively they use the custodian for their crypto and the sort, US, sort of, well, I, sort of, yeah, sort yeah, but, but, but the mean, mechanics of it turned out like that. Like in other words, they yeah, didn't yeah, have yeah. the private key, somebody else yes. had it. So yes. at the end of the day, yes, the US can go to whoever has the private keys and if they're in the US jurisdiction, and even if not US jurisdiction, because the US reach is very wide, sure. they're obviously going to be able to, <laughs> to, to get it from them. So like, I mean, but the whole thing was hilarious to me because it was misinterpreted like Bitcoin was hacked. You know, it's yeah. kind of like, again, people who don't understand will say this, but it's not really what it means in terms of what happened. So, all right, two points. I don't think that it's because people don't understand it. I think that it's intentionally, um, that narrative of Bitcoin was hacked is intentionally created in the media, not accidentally because people are stupid. Yeah, maybe, um, yeah. I think that it's actually intentionally driven. That narrative is driven that way. Second is I actually suspect. I'll probably get killed for saying this. No, but I, I actually think that this there's a, a reasonable probability that this is all a sham and that the actual hacker was the FBI, like that this was part of a larger operation and that they actually had the private keys and you know that this whole oh we recovered the coins is all a farce quite honestly if i had to take a wild fucking guess and i look at all of the possible scenarios under which this whole thing took place the one in which some really smart hackers hacked a huge pipeline negotiated with these people to get a $5 million ransom and then left their private keys on a server. Like I, I, I that is like yeah, the that, lowest that, probability. That, that's why it seems like quite the, unbelievable. The lowest yeah. probability. Yeah. The lowest probability outcome that I can imagine. I can think of a lot of situations other than that, that have a higher probability of reality. Well, and also, you know, keep in mind that effectively, you know, whether or not, Bitcoin is hackable was effectively self-evident from the fact that, that there are accounts with almost a million Bitcoins that are available for anybody who can hack it. You know, so yeah. literally there is almost like an outstanding reward for Bitcoin being hacked. So it's the largest honeypot. It. Yeah, it's the largest honeypot on the face of planet Earth today is in the Bitcoin network. Huh. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's a great point, but I guess what would be the point of the FBI being, you know, like, you know, to, to take the other side of, of your, your theory, right? I, it me I have quick. some, I can, I can extrapolate on that, but I'm not going to do that today. Uh, <laughs> all right. Fair enough. It reminds me but, of the Simpsons episode where uh, Homer starts, you know, doing sort of like talking about conspiracy theories and he says all this crazy shit and it turns out one of them is actually true. So he gets kidnapped yeah. by, you know, this group of like shadowy yeah. people and he's like, yeah. he's like, which one was it? <laughs> you know, and they're like, it was your expose <laughs> on the island of, you know, like whatever, like, you know, puppet masters and stuff. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, so so I, I'm with it, man. But uh, 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just interesting, but I think it all kind of goes into, and this is this all ties it together. Well, if you look it's at this, this big crackpot, if you look at this big crackdown that they just did, it was a global, it was like one of the largest like criminal takedowns ever. And, you know, the, the, the FBI set up this honeypot. They basically said, they found the manufacturer of these like super, you know, it was like a private network, highly encrypted communication device, like a phone, except that you're not connected to the telecommunications networks. It's an encrypted network that these devices can only speak to each other. And they found the manufacturer of that. Then they continued to market these things, manufacture them, sell them online. There were 2000 bucks a piece for these phones. They literally, it literally like went viral within the criminal underground. Every fucking super criminal in the world suddenly was using these devices. And the FBI could hear every single conversation that was being had. <laughs> all the text messages, all the communications, unfiltered. These people were super like brazen because they thought, you know, they weren't even using like code words anymore or any type of cover up. It was just like, yo, this is super protected. And so they were just wiling out. And then, you know, they had this coordinated takedown. They arrested like 800 super criminals. They prevented something like 75, you know, um, uh, executions and like, like, you know, cocaine and, you know, but it, it's literally like from, from um, human trafficking to drugs, to murder, to Everything you can imagine was caught up in this in this this sweep. But the way they did it was they actually were the ones who they were communication like a provider. And so I don't think that it's a stretch to think that they are going to these really unprecedented lengths, magnets for whatever it is they're trying to attract. And that's what got me thinking about maybe El Salvador is actually a false flag. Maybe it's actually a, a honeypot being created. And particularly uh, the, the, the colonial pipeline or whatever, um, that to me really smells like it's we didn't get the story i i, I can tell you that okay. we definitely yeah. no, don't know I'm, the real story with you and i think for me look and, and you know without getting into some of the extra detail and all that kind of stuff or even playing devil's advocate i think you know it all applies to what we started this topic you know at the beginning of the show which is you know all this fud you know that seems to and the way things get spun by the media and everything else you know around bitcoin and crypto in that, you know, you have a, you know, it's like, and it's like, you see it even with Fox News and CNN and all this kind of stuff. It's like, they're not just reporting to you what happened. They really, all their shows are all these pundits almost telling you how you should feel about what's happening. Right. And you exactly, know, you know, and I think that's where, what you see with, with all, with a lot of this stuff, which is the narratives that get, you know, developed through these things that are happening. And, uh, you know, they're, they're all, a lot of them are intended to throw shade and, you know, kind of in, in a negative in a negative light, you know, for Bitcoin and crypto and everything else. So, you know, I think it's interesting. I think that's a lot of what we saw. But, you know, but at the same time, you know, if you saw what was happening over the course of the last week and, and you know, the Bitcoin conference and everything else, I mean, you know, and then the El Salvador thing, if it is genuine and legit, which I believe it is, I, you know, I'll take the other side of that from you, Drew. But the, uh, you know, and I think it's going to be. No, pretty- I, I, I don't. I'm not saying I actually believe in that scenario i'm just saying it's something that we should be conscious of yeah for sure because it is a possibility 
Yeah. And so, also, by the way, keep in mind that Bitcoin itself could be the most extreme honeypot of all time. Hundred percent. Right? So it nobody knows who Satoshi been... is. That could be the CIA or FBI or whatever. I mean, that would be it's, crazy. In <laughs> fact, I would argue that there's. It's probably like of the three most prominent, you know, let's Theories, say speculations. Yeah. It's one of the most likely, right? Like. Yeah. I mean, you know, like. But, but at that point, you know, I'm not even mad. I'm just impressed, you know, like how that. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's like, I, you know, t hat tip, you know, like, okay, well played. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that's its own whole rabbit hole. I just hope I they, I just hope they aren't up in Solana. Yeah, well, yeah speaking of right. Solana. Well, that's so why, by the way, that's another way to think about it. That effectively, um, you know, a lot of people use Bitcoin as the security for crypto in general. But perhaps you need to diversify away from Bitcoin just due to that possibility. And this is a great segue into something else that I want to talk about because we saw at the Bitcoin conference, right? Uh, FTX, you know, um, you know, named as the, you know, the sponsor, the name sponsor of American Airlines Arena, right? Where the Miami Heat play basketball, which is a big deal, right? So now you're talking about a crypto company in exchange effectively now, you know, like on par with, you know, again, airlines and, and you know, some of the biggest companies and, and things in the world entering more mainstream, right? So now it's like, and, and you saw uh, Bankman Freed, right? That's, that's dude. And, uh, you know, in the picture, like, you know, ribbon cutting and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, just doing his thing in Miami, right? And it's like, Hell yeah. I mean, I, you know, like I know that, you know, so, and this is, so what's the relationship with Solana and FTX? Are they, is Solana like, you know, sort of like FTX is like, you know, sort of, uh, you know, what do I want to call it? Like tentpole kind of, because they're all related. It's sort of all part of the same sort of brain trust. What's the deal? And, well, you know, and then let's so, talk about Solana in general, because I'm a big fan so, and obviously that's so, a lot of what we're into. So go ahead. So as far as I understand, I mean, effectively, there are two separate entities, but in the early stages of Solana, um, effectively, we're looking to partner with somebody uh, to allow them, effectively, you, you're better off partnering, let's say, with some sort of exchange to allow for better distribution okay. and kind of marketing. And at the same time, they needed some more help uh, building Solana and just kind of more investment. So then they approached uh, SBF, which is the Bankman Freed. Mm -hmm. Okay, and um, from what I understand, they were so impressed with the tech, they tried to kind of, um, you know, poke holes in it, and you know, it just came out on top every time. So then, as a result, he became a significant investor in Solana. Okay, both the project um, itself, and also just from the perspective of the coins. I'm assuming he's probably the biggest holder actually of Solana. Okay. Even, even beyond more than the original founders. And as a result, also effectively, FTX, um, most of the coins that are on there, they're, they're, able, they're allowed to be withdrawn and deposited through the Solana ecosystem. Because again, Solana is also a competitor to, let's say, well, to some extent, to Ether. So in other words, um, Ethereum would be kind of an ecosystem of uh, a crypto ecosystem that you are able to put on other uh, coins on other, uh, you know, things like NFTs on. So Solana is working the same way, but um, it's just kind of like more dynamic and faster. And I mean, there are some disadvantages as well, but that's why I think SBF chosen. That's why um, also I'm, I'm very confident in SBF himself. So, you know, I'm using him as almost like 
this outsourcing of you know the data of whether Solana is good or not. Okay. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, look, I mean, everything I've seen about dude is like, you know, he's obviously a genius, right. Or, you know, at least he plays yeah. one on TV and, uh, well, I mean, you know. you know, like for example, what people don't even know that he's, I, I, I mean, I, I talked to Andrew about this before. I don't think we figured it out like whether or not he's, um, the youngest or the, the richest person under 30 in the yeah. world or not, because he's yeah. worth right now, at least $10 billion. And Pro probably you, more probably probably more that's the problem because yeah. we've usually people you know look at you know like public stocks and whatever to figure it out here they have no chance to figure it out yeah they just yeah ask them and then use that data i guess yeah if, if you don't have his wallet yeah you don't have his wallet addresses you don't have a yeah yeah there is no way and even then i'm sure he's got like a ton of them and i'm sure they're kind of like yeah. holding small balances and so on yeah but at, at the end of the day i mean to gain, you know, $10 billion before you're 30, you know, it's, it's very impressive, obviously. And, and all of it accumulated in basically under three years. Yes, yes, yes. And and I think, you know, like the crazier part about it is that I think he's just getting started. So like literally, 100%. I believe he's going to be the richest person in the world, probably even surpass, I mean, Bezos and Musk, if, huh. if I were to guess, because it's just, he's got like, very wide runway and he's taking care of this <laughs> niche that's kind of very big and effectively you and know, he's like, like he's like 26 right 29 29 okay 29 okay. but 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 nonetheless i mean you know if you look at somebody like bezos and musk i mean they're yeah. you know they're decades older than him and yeah i mean bezos just retired right like like well and also but, might but, be, this, but this bezos year is just accelerating i hope not I hope not, but he's going to mm -hmm. fly to the moon. I mean, he's, you know, Bezos going into space, you know, his future <laughs> is, his future is uncertain. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, yeah. And I heard you, so might, one you story... might want to sell some put options on your Amazon stock. <laughs> <laughs> so one story I heard, and I don't know from the, and I don't know, was this in the, 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 down at the Bitcoin conference? Like he was literally in line at a club and you know, he wasn't getting in and, you know, cause it was like too cool for school. So he just literally like bought the club, like while online and then just rolled up to the front, like, you know, like I'm the captain now, you know, that meme from the <laughs> fucking uh, Captain Phillips, Tom Hanks movie. Like, you know, I don't know how much of that is true or whatever, but uh, you know, I don't know, man. I mean, if, if, if some of that, like, first of all, that is a badass baller move. I mean, and uh <laughs> If nothing else, it's like just add to the legend, you know what I mean? And uh, but yeah, you know, it's like uh, for those watching, you know, or you know, Billy, throw up the uh, throw, throw, throw that up there, you know, like I'm the captain now, and uh, <laughs> yeah, man, I mean, look, the ecosystem is super impressive. I mean, if you're on Radium, the Radium Exchange, um, you know, obviously, you know, tapping into the Solana wallet and you know, the, the, the yield farms and the you know, the fusion pools and the other stuff that we're dabbling in and things, and uh. You know, I mean, it's 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 dope. There's no doubt. Media Options is the industry's leading domain broker, specializing in domain acquisitions, high-value domain sales, and domain name consultation. 
as pioneers and thought leaders on the subject of the domain aftermarket and domain name value. Plus, through their clear domain acquisition service, Media Options offers startups and established corporations an unparalleled scope of high-value domain options, providing access to domain names and curation technologies not available elsewhere. Media Options believes in the power of a great domain name and is dedicated to helping you obtain yours. Call or email today to put a domain to work for you. You know, so for the folks at home who might not know, so Solana operates similarly to Ether, right? It's a different network altogether, but, you know, and then you can kind of weigh sort of like, you know, pros and cons. I think we would argue that there are more pros and cons comparing it to Ether, you know, between gas fees and speed and network and all that kind of stuff. What, I know, think the only, the only, the only con would be the size of the liquidity, right? And, um, and the network effect, right? So yeah, yeah. So in other words, Ether is just way ahead on that curve. So in a way, they have the momentum. But you know, it's kind of like. But, but the thing is, those functions are so different in terms of what they'll be used for. It's kind of like saying, let's say, wire transfers compete with credit card transactions. It's just completely different things. Going to be used for completely different methods of of value transfer, and for completely different reasons. So. I mean, that's what I see with Solana and Ether. So really, Solana is better than Ether in every way, except it's a little bit more centralized just due to the fact that there aren't many validators compared to Ether because for two reasons. One, Ether has the momentum of people running them already. And also the hardware required to run a Solana validator is much more intensive. So that effectively discriminates against people that are not able to run it, right? Like in other words, let's say you can't run it on your desktop computer. You need to have um, like a very powerful desktop computer to be able to do it. And that's going to be dedicated just for that. So, but the trade-off is the result you get transactions like, like multiple orders of magnitude of number of transactions that you can do per second. You, it's... At the cost, that's again multiple orders of magnitude cheaper than Ether. So really, it, the the interesting part is that effectively it will take probably take over things like um, financial transactions. So we're talking about you know like uh, what we have right now in terms of centralized exchanges for you know like the Nasdaq and things like that. Those might either go away, become a hybrid of being somewhat decentralized, or you know, somebody might uh, make decentralized version of those. Like in other words, if somebody, let's say, has, let's say somebody owns a huge chunk of Apple shares, technically, if you, if you can partner with that person, decentralize those Apple shares, and then you just keep them on, on Solana wallets and transfer from one another, being able to trade and so on. So that's just, for example, Effectively, that will allow you to create a parallel universe, whereas you're trading stocks on a decentralized platform. There could be other ways that it can be done. Like, in other words, maybe some of the current centralized platforms, uh, like like, um, stock stock market exchanges, they'll maybe partner, maybe allow some decentralization. Maybe they'll, you know, see the writing on the wall and will go all in on this decentralization. But in general, I find that Solana will take take over probably uh, the DeFi world and kind of like this the financial world that's happening right now, but make it more decentralized. Sure. So 
that's why I mainly like Solana because I feel like that's maybe the biggest application of all, just the reorganization or reincarnation of kind of like the whole financial ecosystem. And yeah. this is going to be the base for it because unfortunately with Ether, it's impossible to really um, to really run the financial system on it unless you have multiple layers built on top of it. And I don't know if it's really necessary to do that when you have a competing project that can do that on the first layer. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that makes sense. And, you know, just to be clear, everybody listening, uh, this is not investment or financial advice in any way, yeah, right? Yeah, this is, I'm just describing <laughs> um, No, 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 but it's all, no, no, I mean, you know what, that's a disclaimer we should be throwing out in the beginning. I just yes, yes, forget yes, to do sure. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the uh, but no, but I'm with it. And I think that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, and I mean, this is, you know, this is everything you're saying. This isn't like, you know, proprietary knowledge. I mean, this is, this yeah, is yeah, everybody can go you know, and, and, and I, but that's and what I've seen folks, you know, but I've seen folks talking about the, you know, the requirement tech requirement for, you know, to be able to operate or participate in the network for Solana. But at the same time, I think, you know, it's funny. I saw someone tweet about it and said, hey, these are the requirements. They seem pretty heavy. But half the comments were like, what kind of computer are you running? Like, this is literally like, it's a gaming, you know, a gaming computer. Yeah, it's a gaming computer. It, you know yeah. what I mean? So it's not like, oh my God, like, you know, this needs a NASA supercomputer to operate. It's just, but you need a decent, decent computer rig. But those are, you know, I mean, that's, that's the world we live in now. Right. So it's like, know. the thing is right now, the other thing that like really this issue that people have with it, I feel like this issue will auto solve, let's say a year from now, because let's say we're, we're going to have maybe an order of magnitude larger number of validators. And suddenly this issue that was the only issue becomes a non-issue. And then once it's a non-issue, it's a no-brainer for it to be uh, used for all these DeFi applications effectively. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't mean that Ether goes away because of that, but effectively in the way it will play out, it's almost like this bizarre, um, it's almost like this bizarre natural selection that's happening in the digital world where protocols are both taking their own niche in the ecosystem of just um, the digital world and financial instruments. And at the same time, they're constantly evolving to be better in, at that niche. Mm -hmm. yeah, and sure. I mean, it doesn't mean that everybody's going to survive obviously, because that's also part of the process. Yeah, Some protocols effectively die off and other ones, new ones will appear. But, you know, a, a lot of times, a lot of these things, um, you know, they just need time to play out. So that's, I mean, and that's what it's all about, just watching it closely and yeah, yeah. seeing what happens and trying to extrapolate what will happen in the future. Sure. No, and I'm with that. So talk. what about something like Cardano? Would that be a competitor of Solana? So Cardano is it in the future a competitor. Yes, it could be a competitor. The real issue is the for at least for me why I don't like it personally is mainly because it's been around for a long time, and even with that, um, so far they don't even have smart contracts. So all these DeFi, let's say, ambitions that uh, you know there are on Cardano they are not close to playing out yet because nobody can even build on it yet. Like in other words, all of these things actually have to do more with momentum and it's kind of like, so to me, what that tells me is that maybe it's either the tech isn't there yet or maybe this specific tech 
isn't going to work, or it could mean that the team is just not that great, or they're maybe too slow. The point is that, you know, like in other words, right now there was um, a Solana hackathon that had, you know, 10,000 people attend. Mm. Like it, it was a yeah. digital one, but, sure, but nonetheless. Yeah. So effectively, this means that these are people that are interested in building on top of it. And back in, I mean, I guess February or something like that, there, were, there was an earlier hackathon that had a thousand people attend. So you see like the, the scale here, it's just, it's all very, very fast and forward looking. The problem is that like a hackathon is not even possible on Cardano yet, just due to the fact that you can't do smart contracts yet. So nobody's even gonna bother trying to build on it because you're effectively building on an empty shell. Right. So, you know, that's really the issue. For whatever reason, it's not there yet. I mean, maybe it is a very technical issue that I'm not aware of. I mean, that, that's also very likely, but um, to me, I guess it just shows to me that Solana is proving itself. Yeah. And at the same time, keep in mind that it's also backed by one of the top exchanges in the crypto sphere. That's also the fastest growing exchange in the crypto sphere. That's backed by, at least in my opinion, maybe the smartest person in the crypto sphere. So, you know, like if you could see that same story happening with Cardano and people were developing on it, I would be a lot more bullish on it, maybe, but it's not happening. So I'm not. Yeah, no, and I think that's a very good response. And there's a lot of info and a lot of stuff to unpack there. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a big Solana fan, right? And, I, and, and I'm a big fan of the rating exchange. And I just think when, you know, you've gone from investing in stocks, you know, all the boomer stocks and the way that we've, you know, typically I was a finance major in college, right? So it's just crazy to me to see the way that this has evolved and that you've got these now and, and it, you know, it gets complicated and, and I'm not super technical. So it gets, you know, kind of far over my head pretty quickly. But when you look at the ability to, you know, do some of these swaps and liquidity pools and all this other kind of stuff. And like, you know, how quickly it moves, uh, meaning the, you know, how, how sort of quick the tech is, right. And how mm -hmm. easily you can maneuver within it and the return that you can get, it's like, you know, it's hard to say you want to put your money in other things because it's like, and yeah. it's just so exciting. Well, and it's like, so like, although there are some things real quick, there are some stocks like Ford was killing it. And there's, you know, opportunity in the real world. I don't want to say real world because that diminishes the, the crypto side of it. But, you know, there, there are legacy stuff that, you know, and, and sort of call the more brick and mortar businesses that have plenty of runway and an opportunity and all that good stuff. That's great. But when you look at traditional investing, versus what's happening in the crypto space, all this DeFi stuff, um, you know, FTX, Solana, Radium and everything else. It's like, dude, it is wild, man. It's hard to not get in there if you, and get so excited about the opportunity, the you potential. Know, and it's also new, which is so crazy. Small, so small segue, right? So, so I 100% agree. I think that everybody who has any, who's already involved uh, in, in crypto in any capacity, um, it behooves you to go play with DeFi, go figure it out, whether it's, whether you want to go play with, uh, you know, so the Solana ecosystem, right. Yep. Whether it's radium, um, um, you know, or pancake swap, Uniswap, sushi swap, badger Dow, you know, uh, 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 sovereign, you know, there's, a million different places that you can go experiment between Solana, between Ethereum, between 
um, you know, Ave and, uh, uh, and now apparently I have to do my homework still, but you know, I think you can, this, this sovereign, uh, seems like they've created something to do DeFi on top of Bitcoin natively without, you know, wrapping Bitcoin. I don't understand how it works yet. I don't, I, my, my hesitation there is just that like the number one thing that I love about Solana so much is the speed and the low fees. And I don't know how you could do that natively. On well, well, I can tell you how you can do it natively because what they're doing is they're effectively creating almost like a centralized Exchange, but it doesn't. The purpose of it is not really exchange. Is it running those it DeFi the right? stuff? But it's totally non-custodial. It is non-custodial, though. It is not. I mean, I'm not. Yeah, yeah I haven't. You know, it's hundred percent. It. I'm absolutely certain it is non-custodial. And what's the, which one is that? That's sovereign. Yeah, yeah S O V R Y S O V R Y N dot. App, oh, right. by the way, what I love about crypto is that like the names of a lot of these platforms and exchanges it reminds me of rappers, right? Like they would, you know, <laughs> they got names that are not spelled in the traditional way. <laughs> and that shit, I love that. I love it. So, but yeah, because no, got- I hate that shit. You know what I mean? Like, yo, you want to call yourself sovereign? Step up to the plate, come to the domain game, pay for your name, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then you can go be sovereign. Otherwise, yeah. you're so green. Right. Well, otherwise, no one's going to be able to find you. Right. Or if they they, exactly. they at least won't be able to find you easily. Right. And this isn't like, although I'll tell you what, for 20 percent interest on your USDC, you know, people come find you pretty quick. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. the this is a B2B pro- product, really, like all this. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people don't yeah. really give a shit as long as it works yeah. and as long as they can make money. Well, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. thing, right? I mean, yeah. look, I mean, there's plenty of people who've made a lot of money without having to be smart enough to know how the sausage is made, right? To be able to sell it, right? So I think at the end of the day, yeah. you know, it's kind of getting where you fit in. And that's why, you know, there are these crazy opportunities because a lot of it is so new. But, you know, you also that means you got to be careful because, you know, you talk about some of these liquidity pools, these fusion pools. We saw one of them go to zero. You know what I'm saying? Like literally the connect. I don't know if it's K-I-N, Ray, like. Uh, uh, well, well, that one is just because the emission rewards ended. So uh, okay. it's, the liquidity pool itself didn't go to zero, just the rewards ended. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, the but, the point, point did. but so the, the return. Did OK, so the, the yield harvesting went to zero. So then at that point, you basically had to unstake. Right. Because there was no yeah. longer a reward. But what about like so if I invested 10 grand into that, then the day that the rewards ended and I decided to put and I harvest all my yield and that's separate. Right. When I pulled out and unstaked, would I be taking 10K home or would it have been diminished based on the fact that that yield? Well, like, it depends on what price the kinetic token. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the most important. At what price right. they are when yeah, you that's sell fair. That's fair. And then we get into now, this whole impermanent earning, loss and everything else. Like that's another thing. Yeah, we'll talk. So, we'll do a show on impermanent loss at some point, too, because I think we started talking about that a little bit on the DeFi dreams show. By the way, the title of this show is going to be FUD is a dud. You know what I'm saying? Because we covered that's like kind of the first half. <laughs> And then we're going to, you know, and then something about some reference to Solana or something, because, you know, obviously nah, we, need to, yeah. we, we got to represent El Salvador. You know what I mean? At yeah, least, yeah, yeah. Even, right. even if even if he's a dictator and president in a president's suit, we, we still got to tip the hat to El Salvador for being the first to adopt the Bitcoin standard. That yeah. is some big, big, big moves that yeah, opens yeah. the door for a lot of stuff. There's no guarantees, but it is a natural evolution of the story of Bitcoin. And, you know, look, it it plays perfectly with the game theory that was laid out in the early days of Bitcoin by Satoshi, 
who said, look, you know, get it. You might want to get a little bit of this thing just in case it catches on. Right. And as he extrapolated out on that, he said, you know, like, look, people start collecting it. It's super nascent. Then suddenly people say, Ooh, number go up. Then they want it for, for greed. Right. And then as the people want it, then the governments have no choice, but to want it or need it as the case may be. And, you know, it, it, it just, it just, it self-fulfills. So it's, it's pretty interesting. So yeah, I think we should, I think the title should be a little hat tip, like, you know, v, v, yeah. Viva, uh, Viva El Salvador. Viva El Salvador. You know, but, well, Nabe Bukele, is that how you say his, his name? I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I'm not real, real sure yeah. on the pronunciation. I want to say, I, I don't know how close I was, but yeah, man. I mean, he's an OG now, you know what I'm saying? Like he's, he's, he's a made man in, in crypto. He's like he, the new, he's like the new sailor. He's like the new Michael <laughs> Sailor. The, uh, yeah, because I mean that's a because, big, big. You know, Michael Saylor, like corporate adoption, it's one thing, but the the you know the 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 end boss is really sovereign adoption, right? Yeah, the, the, yeah. the the end game, the end game. Well, the end game is one step beyond that. The first step of the end game is sovereign adoption. The real end game is there is no more national sovereignty. Bitcoin is the sovereign, yeah. and we all belong to the to, to the nation of Bitcoin. Um, John Berryhill will be rolling off his chair laughing at me after that statement. Yeah, no um, doubt. So um, on, on the topic of John Berryhill, what do you – I want to get Yanni's take on on blockchain domain names. I did this little podcast with Andrew Alamon. You know, it was very broad. It wasn't a deep dive. It was sort of a, you know, this is where I think blockchain domains could go. This is what actually excites me about blockchain domains. I think I got misunderstood by a lot of people who think like I'm like – Oh yeah, forget about .com. It's all about blockchain domains. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not even talking about blockchain domains necessarily from a domain investment standpoint. What I'm talking about is the importance of a parallel DNS on a blockchain that represents a check and balance to the legacy system that perhaps you know creates a check to the monopolies in the legacy system that creates a check on the overreaching governance in the legacy system and a check on perhaps the cost in the legacy system. Yanni, well, thoughts? I mean, okay, so. And we don't have so a lot I of time. Think, we only have about five, 10 minutes and then we're going to, then we're That's why I was now. squeezing this in because I really, I was like, okay. you know, I was taking some, this is I was own, taking some heat. This so is I was taking heat. Show. I actually, I, I, I talked to John Berryhill and Zach Moscovich after that post because I just wanted to confirm some details and yeah. yeah to me it sounds like effectively I mean the trademark thing is just a bullshit move because it, it doesn't really matter you know this is not the first time people have tried to do it you know they just their excuse is just a different tech okay but that doesn't really yeah. help with the trademark now um, let's say if they run a parallel DNS that's going to be used as almost like insurance to the original one, which is the one that's run by ICANN, I think that's an interesting application. Their problem is that they're trying to get, let's say these extensions that don't exist yet, like something like that crypto, but probably most likely will exist in the next round of applications. Um, And they're trying to effectively they're almost trying to corner the market on those via those trademarks. I think that's, you know, it's a strategy that's guaranteed to fail, but at the same time, okay. Like, I mean, 
it doesn't, if, if they're smarter, they would use extensions that cannot exist because then next round, people wouldn't have the competition. So in other words, right now they're marketing that crypto. They're selling it to people. People are paying but real what do you money mean? for it. You, but you can't create an extension that can't exist on ICANN. Oh, well, I, I, yeah, single letter, single character. Yeah, so for example, all the single letters. Yeah, okay. Another example, let's say there's a bunch of blocked keywords that ICANN doesn't allow. Let's say that www is not allowed. They could use yeah. that one, for example. So they could carve themselves well, a nice piece I of I know the somebody that would love that. Well, I mean, this is like, if I was them, this is what I would do. I would carve this yeah, really yeah, nice yeah, yeah. Si side market that they can really capitalize on that. And they have no authority that can destroy them in a second. Because what will happen is that when that crypto comes out, somebody will get it. I mean, it might be very contentious and whatever, but the same as that web, it will reach there eventually. And then effectively all the people that signed up with them and are bad domains or even potentially want to host a website on it in the future, they're all suckers. Effectively, they just got sold, you know, as in crypto, the phrase goes, they got rugged, you know? They just <laughs> yeah. don't know that you they the got rug rugged. Pull. Yes. Uh, the, rug pull. the rug pull. So that's really what already happened. And it's just sad because if they just pivoted a little bit to the point that, again, offering extensions that do not exist and cannot exist, like something, again, like one letters or even a bunch of two letters, because all the two letters are just country codes, except the ones that don't exist. So you could so do the only thing well. I'm going to say, though, the only thing I'm going to say to you, though, is I think um, you're, you're basing these opinions on some assumptions that may not be true about what the future of that business looks like. Yes, but but the thing is, is that the way it makes I agree. Sense to me, I agree with I agree with what you're saying, but I think that the parallel DNS argument holds water, and I think that there are you know I'm an investor in in in, in Unstoppable. Some of this applies to both Handshake and Unstoppable. Some of it is specific to one or the other. Um, I think that. Um, you know, Handshake has gone after, you know, everything, right? So there are single character, two letter, you know, ex, you know, uh, uh, blocked words, all that stuff is on the Handshake. Uh, but as far as Unstoppable is concerned, I, I, I think, um, um, yeah, I, I, I think that they, they have a, you know, they have a plan that I think will not be a rug pull. I think that um, well, well, but, but I'm already telling you, let's say something like that crypto, that's already the right pool. Anything that's a valuable extension, well, that's for what sure is going to be what if they, What if they got it? What if they got the one? From yeah, them? but that's their only way. And the only way they can get there is through financial means. So really, it's almost like... Wait, do you know how much backing they have? No, no, I know, I know. But, so, but, they but, have the biggest... But, but then, but then this whole thing with the trademarks is it's just a game that they're playing for no reason, really. Uh, not necessarily. Right? Well, anyway, I'd say look. it's cheap insurance. It creates, it creates, I would say this, it's an offensive as opposed to defensive because yes. but, but it's it only does, offensive for people else. that don't know because no, otherwise no. they're getting anybody else that comes court. in to compete. What, and real quick, what uh, post What maybe, post are you talking about? It's not about winning or losing. It's about the cost of trying to oppose. So it adds an enormous layer of cost for somebody else to come in um, and say, okay, 
there's going to be lots of people that say, oh, I want to go compete. But they're doing it because they just want to lose and get the proceeds, assuming that the auctions go the same way they did in the first round, which I doubt they will. But even if they do, the people that most of the people participating aren't actually there to win. But the people that are there to win are going to have to make a business decision about is it worth it to go fight an elongated court battle such as the dot web one, right? And it's going to cost a lot of money to fight. And these guys have. Well, it only costs the loser. So yeah, in other I words, think there's a, I think it's, it's less about in court and more about like, you know, fighting the fight in the auction to try to win it. You know, I think if you already have, let's say, you know, a lot of money based on the fact that you've already got a big old customer base, it might give you more, you know, and you've got VC backing, like, you know, maybe you got a little bit more ammo to play with, but listen, we, we literally are three minutes and we got to be out. Um, so, cause Yoni's got a hard stop and, uh, this should, this is its own show. What post are you talking about though? Like, where did you get, like, where, where were they posting? The domain name wire one, the one. Oh, okay. So I guess I haven't seen it, so I'm gonna check it out and, uh, there'll be more to follow on this topic. One thing I want to, I want to Twitter and on Twitter. All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to get on, I'm going to spend some time this afternoon. I'm going to get hip to this. We're going to talk more about this stuff. We talk about the D the decentralized web all the time. I mean, again, we've done shows. We've brought on uh, Bradley cam from unstoppable on Sherpa. There's a lot more to talk about there. There's going to be a lot more as things happen. There's some interesting announcements and things coming out. There's a lot of, a lot of cool shit, a lot of good stuff happening. But anyway, one point I wanted to make about the El Salvador thing uh, that I think is dope. Uh, it was like, if you remember that, uh, that viral video of the uh, dancing guy at Sasquatch, the music festival, the guy dancing yeah, on the yeah, hill, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. I yeah, think fingers. Yeah. Wilding out right to, to Santa gold. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, the, you know, and uh, dancing and, and doing his thing and everyone's kind of like laughing. Yeah. And, uh-huh. Then all of a sudden dude, number two comes along. And then all of a sudden dude, number three, once dude, number three was there, all of a sudden the shit is a party. You know what I'm saying? And I do yeah, think tipping that, point, baby. And that's what we're talking about. Right. So like when you get your Malcolm Gladwell on, like these are the kinds of things. And like, it goes back to the point that you only made about the pizza, right? It wasn't about the fact that dude bought a pizza. Right. But that was an iconic yeah. moment because it was the fact that it was an exchange of value and a proof of concept. And, you know, you started like, and you know, and it's the beginning of, you know, the, the snowball rolling down the hill. And before you know it, it's a full on avalanche. Right. So, you know, this this very much could be that I think it is, you know, sort of, you know, groundbreaking in that way. I think it's going to be crazy interesting to see how these things play out. We are moving at light speed. A lot of great, 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 crazy Yo, shit going on. So anyway, par- parting prediction that you just made me remember. I think you're going to see some Bitcoins being way more valuable than other Bitcoins for a variety of reasons, but which potentially is a bad thing for Bitcoin. But, but I, I think like, for example, that I would love, I would pay extra to own a Bitcoin that was involved in the Bitcoin pizza transaction. And that should be, you know, trackable. You should be able to, you know, that, you, that, it, it yeah, and that brings build- up a whole thing around like the NFTs and stuff. Cause like, you know, we got the board yeah. apes, like I've been super hype on board yeah. apes lately. And some of the board apes have more value depending on who minted them. Right. So if Pranksy yeah. is like this, you know, like, like, yeah, but those dog- are already non-fungible, right? Bitcoins are supposed to be fungible. Well, so, yeah. so that brings up a whole, at- that's a whole nother thing into itself. And let's not try to throw Peace a prediction. <laughs> He's like, yo, I'm going to throw a grenade in the room and then we're going to, we're going to shut the shit down. I'm going to throw a grenade <laughs> in the room. I'm going to walk out and let y'all. Well, we're going to put a pin in that. that. We've got a lot more to talk about, about DeFi and Solana and some of those things too. You know, I was going to get into some of the differences of the different types of swaps and all that, but you know, we're out of time. 
we'll get busy in a week. We will, uh, by then even some more crazy shit will have happened and we'll keep it moving. But look, um, anyway, appreciate you guys as always. This shit is so fun for me. And this is exactly the whole point And the reason that we do this show because is to really get into this, like, and we're in a really nice vibe. The last couple of shows have been really, really cool with a lot of really good shit and a lot of interesting gems and tons of tons of talking points and great stuff. So appreciate you guys as always my dudes gang gang you know what it is and uh and also to the audience thank you so much for tuning in i always say it on every show without you there's no us here doing what we're doing so reach out get engaged get involved let us know what's what you like something you don't like something you know what it is we're we're out and about we're in the mix hit us on twitter leave a comment on the show uh on domainsherpa.com and uh, just get at us and uh otherwise though we will catch you next time here on Domain Sherpa, where all roads lead to domains. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace. It don't matter what you do.